Welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm and trauma. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm and trauma. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. everybody to start by listening. It's Jennifer aka The Friendly Therapist here with my PIC and co-pilot Shelly. Hello, hello. Welcome back everybody. We're so excited you're joining us today. We, as you know, have been focusing on the education system and the traumas and mental health um, concerns that they have witnessed in the last, I'm going to say, several years with COVID and then beyond. Um, and we're excited today to have a very special guest who's here to speak with us. Her name is Summer Bell, and she works with Owensboro Public School Systems. So without further ado, hi, Summer. Welcome. Oh, hello. <laughs> thank you for having me. We're so glad you're here with us. Yes, thank you for taking time out of your busy day. So if you would kindly just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for Owensboro Public School Systems. All right. Uh, my name is Summer Bell. I, this is my 16th year at Owensboro Public Schools. Um, I'm in a new position, newer position, uh, since 2020. I'm the district mental health coordinator. It is a new position that our district added on. Um, so I took this position right before COVID hit, and it's been <laughs> fantastic for our district because if there's ever a time for mental health in the schools, it's, it's definitely now. So uh, I am just a little background information. I mean, I am a licensed clinical social worker, a licensed drug and alcohol counselor. Um, I primarily have school experience. I do have an outpatient practice. I do therapy on the side. It's my side gig, um, which I love because it's a different type of, of social work than, than in the schools. So I do that. And then I'm also an adjunct professor at Brescia University, which um, is my alma mater and I'm alumni. So I absolutely love that. And I love that position. So um, that's a little bit about me professionally but personally I'm a mother of three kids and I have a fantastic husband and I've been married for 17 years oh wow um, and we're busy we I, I love sports I love my kids sports so we're, we're watching them every weekend do stuff what sports soccer and cheer okay very cool very cool and uh, isn't soccer season like the fall it is, but we do soccer all year round because we do travel soccer too. Oh, so, okay. but it is fall season, high school season right now in our area. So it uh, it's prime time right now. I've seen. Um, I live close to fifty four, and is it Horse Course Park? Horse Fork, yeah, Horse Fork. Um, and so I'll drive past, and they have that big soccer field there, and I'll say, "Oh, it must be sad because you know you see all the kids running around." Yeah, and that's a huge area. recreation league for our community. So it's it's busy out there on weekends. Yeah. So you, it sounds like, oh my gosh, you've got your hands in lots of areas in the community, the public school system at Brescia as an adjunct professor, and then also, um, with your own private practice. Um, that's awesome. Like I, I did not know you were an adjunct professor at Brescia. Yes. So um, cool. I have done that probably for eight years. Um, so it's, it's been I love it. Um, yeah. Right now, I think my go-to class is practice two group work. I absolutely love group work. Uh, so it's each of those jobs are different. I think that's what keeps my passion alive and keeps me motivated um, in this field of social work. Because this is my 22nd year, really, in social work. So um, I still love it. Yeah. Uh, but each of those jobs are different. So I feel like it keeps me keeps me going. Well, yeah. 22 years. So you bring a wealth of knowledge and experience. Um so my question with this new position with Owensboro Public Schools, you said it was started the year before COVID hit. I thought it was something that came out of COVID with the focus on mental health. Can you explain what brought about your position? And yes, I actually started, I think, February or March of 2020. I think COVID like shut down world happened yeah. shortly after. And Owensboro Public Schools is part of a federal grant. Okay. Uh, Davis County Public Schools is also part of that grant in Ohio County. So there's some other schools within the region. Uh, and it is a trauma-focused grant. It's called the Project Prevent Safe Place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and within that, uh, just a lot of trauma-informed practices, uh, mental health teams were created, trauma-informed teams were created. So the grant has definitely laid that foundation for a lot of the great things that we're doing. Uh, but my position came as a result of that, that grant. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. So there was the recognition that mental health really needed 
to be bolstered within the education system. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about, um, and I think this would be fascinating, pre-COVID and then COVID, mental health needs within the school system, the types of traumas that um, as a practitioner and as an educator, mm-hmm. because you're educating, um, that you maybe have have noticed or seen trends or patterns? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and of course, just being in the school system for a long time, I feel in the education system, we deal with a lot of uh, different types of trauma. I think people hear trauma, especially, you know, maybe in the education system, your mind automatically goes to sexual abuse or some type of sexual trauma. Um, and that's not the case at all. And that's, you know, with part of the education and the training that we're doing with our staff is for them to understand the different types of trauma and how each kid is affected by trauma differently. Uh, I was primarily at the high school level. So we did see, you know, just a range. I mean, you did have the abuse, neglect, um, poverty, sexual abuse, substance abuse. um, I mean, those type of things we dealt with, you know, daily. I felt after COVID or when COVID hit, um, especially with more of our middle and high school students noticing more of the increase in anxiety, mm-hmm. um, the isolation definitely had a direct impact on our kids and just that socialization that they missed. Um, so a lot of them, you know, in teenage years and middle school, I mean, peers are, they're your number one, that's your main connection. And, and that was taken away. And so I felt just um, for what I was seeing was definitely the increase in anxiety, social isolation, um, you know, even more family related issues. Everybody's at home all the time together. You weren't able necessarily to escape yes. increase in substance abuse, um, financial stressors and financial stress within the home, parents becoming unemployed or losing their jobs to COVID. And then also we had students that lost parents due to COVID and lost grandparents and loved ones. So that was another element of trauma um, because of the pandemic that we were, we were seeing that we were dealing with. You know, as you were um, talking about all that, like I could just feel like in my nervous system, like the heaviness of that sounds so overwhelming with what students show up with and still manage to go to class, uh, play sports, you know what I mean? Interact. Like I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's a lot, isn't it? And I feel, you know, I'm speaking from our district cause that's where yeah. my experiences is or my experiences was we, we try to definitely have that school. That's that safe place. We want that to be that safe place for that student. So yeah. they are showing up. They feel safe, um, whether it's with that sport or just coming to school. Um, and we're glad that it is. They see that as their safe place. So how are you doing that? Like what, uh, what kind of interventions are in place or how are you creating that safe space? Like what? Describe it. What is it that you're doing? Yeah, and each school is is different. Each school climate's different. Uh, I think the first thing that we've definitely done over the years is just train our staff on trauma-informed. and I mean, on trauma and doing the trauma-informed training with our staff and just trying to understand that. There's always room to grow on that. There's a lot more oh, that, yeah. we, that, you know, they could receive as far as education. But within that is just creating that atmosphere and that school climate. Um, we've really... Um, since COVID two, we have increased our mental health support at the schools. I think I had heard it by three hundred percent. So oh, wow. we have twenty three within our district, twenty three uh, mental health professionals and school counselors. Um, each of our schools, um, well, majority of our schools have at least two school counselors. So that's been a big part too of creating that atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Is we just have those resources available on that support for our students mm-hmm. um, when needed. And um, I know we'll talk about it probably later on, but we've really looked at too is implementing what we call safe places within the classroom or calming corners Mm -hmm. um each classroom kind of calls or each school might call that different but just for a kid to to be able to take a break go back there and work on self-regulation um just to feel safe at the moment Mm -hmm. Uh, so we do have that in place at our school so I think that's also helped but a lot of it is just putting an emphasis on that support and the social emotional learning that we're doing within the schools I met with a kiddo who brought up learning about SEL in school. She's like, they were talking about this, uh, what you're telling me about in SEL. And I was like, that's, that's amazing. So is that one of those newer things that have been implemented? Yeah. And I think uh, 
uh, you know, SEL is the big buzzword right now. Education, uh, us as counselors, we—it's stuff we've always done. Our counselors have always done, but I think the emphasis has always been on the counselors to provide that service. Whereas now, you can incorporate so much of the social emotional learning concepts mm-hmm. through the classrooms and through morning meeting or restorative practices, things like that. Our fine arts department—we have an amazing fine arts department, OPS. I'm going to brag on them. Um, they on their professional development day. They actually, it was a, a social emotional focus, SEL focus. Oh, wow. So, with how do you do the SEL component within art and music and things like that? Mm-hmm. So, um, we're just, you know, encouraging all of our teachers and providing those resources for them to be able to uh, throw that out there and incorporate that in their daily lives with their students. I think that's amazing mm-hmm. because um, in learning about polyvagal theory and the nervous system, when we are creating art, music Mm -hmm. or listening to music or viewing art that really helps our nervous system to be able to be in a safe and connected space. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know I I didn't go to public school systems. I went to Catholic school systems growing up and I remember art was just like once a week, like for like 30 minutes. And I was like, man, this is so much fun. Why can't we do more? And music was the same way. Mm -hmm. It was very limited. Um, and that's a huge outlet for a yeah. lot of our students. And we go back and look at your safe place. I mean, it's maybe your connection in band or in the fine arts. And, um, yeah. So it's great that those students have those outlets. It's a form of coping. Oh, it is. Yeah, 100%. One of our um, prevention programs is um, uh, the Green Dot, which is like the anti-bullying and anti-violence. And then there's the, um, oh, what is it that Becca does? The healthy relationships? It's MySpace. MySpace? Yeah, it's boundaries with middle schoolers. And they go into the schools and they do the education component. And then each student gets a map of the school and then they get to designate safe spaces within the school. And I think that's really, I mean, just interesting from so many, like, research views. But, um when she shares that with us in like um, our staff meetings about different schools and the different locations and where people consider safe space and not safe space. I, I just think that's amazing. And I've always thought, because I've experienced, I'm sure you will have too, in your education career, there has always been either that one or several teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Where everybody collects and gathers and they're very well liked mm-hmm. and it is a safe space. Mm-hmm. And uh, the band room at Catholic High was one of those places. That's where I went. Um, many people loved, you know. That environment. And yes. That yeah. It really was. It really was. Um, and I was going to say, when you were mentioning that, um, with the safe places, in my head, I was like, it's probably a lot of, where do I have a connection with somebody in that building? You know, yes. Maybe which teacher classrooms. So, Back to, you know, what you mentioned as far as how are we doing some of that is relationships are huge. Mm -hmm. So relationship mapping, Mm -hmm. uh, finding out who doesn't have a connection with anybody and then building that support for that student. Um, So, you know, you have that connection, you're going to have that safety net. Yeah. Relationship mapping. Like, are you, is this like a one-on-one you're sitting down with students to figure out like if they have a circle of support within school or within home or what, what exactly do you mean by that? With, with that is uh, some of our schools, um, I mean, just within a staff meeting mm-hmm. is looking at um, one example is maybe you put a name of all the students on a sticky note and a teacher goes up and, you know, you pull that student's name down if you have a connection with them or you mark that you have a connection with them. And then you look, is there any students there that none mm-hmm. of our staff is identifying with? Is oh, there any God. of our staff that maybe he doesn't know about Johnny over here, you know, uh, so let's get to know Johnny. Let's, let's tie him in with something. Let's see if we can do a, a supportive intervention as a counselor. You check on this new mentor, this administrator, um, you know, how yeah. can we connect Johnny here with somebody in the building? That's well, I like so that. great. Yeah. Cause we know it only takes like one safe adult in a person's life to minimize like risk of suicide, self-harm, all of like mental health struggles that can occur. And we do push out, this is with the Project Prevent Grant, but we do a student engagement survey in the spring for our students grades 5 through 12. And one of those questions that are on there are, do you have a trusted adult within the building mm-hmm. um, or something you have a connection with? So that's another form, you know, when we talking back to the relationship mapping, is just trying to really see who those kids have connections with. I like that. 
What do you think um, people in Owensboro, and I'll say our other surrounding six counties, who maybe don't have children or grandchildren right in the school system, who are more removed, um, what, did it, what do you think it is that they need to know about um, our educators and our kids and the um, struggles or barriers to learning that are occurring? That's a good question because in my mind right now, there's a, a lot of different things that's kind of going through it. But I think, uh, I mean, the education system, and this is me as a social worker, it's a, it's a different system, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done 16 years and it's, it's finding that balance between social work and the education system for sure. Um, I, I don't know, you know, if you're unless you're in that system or you're in social work, that you probably realize the depth of the issues the students are dealing with in the increase in some of the diagnosis that we're seeing, um, the anxiety, um, suicide, the suicidal thoughts, self-interest behaviors, um, and then just the family structure. Family structure has changed, I mean, everywhere in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And we have more grandparents raising mm-hmm. um, students. We have more relatives that are stepping into that caretaker role. Uh, so just, I think, just the how family dynamics have changed and, and those issues that come along with that, but also the increase in the symptoms that we're seeing with our students. Uh, and I even, I mentioned middle and high, but again, I'm sorry, that's just my, that's yeah. my area. I'm getting back in the <laughs> elementary lane with this new position, but there's a whole nother level, you know, with the younger kids that they bring in. Um, and I think with the pandemic, definitely the anxiety within um, socially and even separation from, you know, the parents. Um, so I think just there's, unless you're in the system, you might not realize the depth of some of the things that are definitely going on and the lack of support. I'm sorry. I just feel like there is that lack of support for a lot of students. Um, I have noticed over the last three years now um, with working with kids that there has been a significant decrease in um, uh, developmental learning, you know, like, um, at age nine and grade level, third grade, you know, this is like, like where kids should be with reading, you know, and some of the kids over the last years I've worked with, like, I can see there is, it's not there. And that has created within those individuals, those negative thoughts of, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. Um, I'm stupid. I can't do this. And more than self-defeating thoughts. Yeah. And so on this perspective, you know, it's like, you know, we're doing the best we can. I mean, you spent a whole year trying to learn over a computer. And there's a lot of catch up that comes along. Absolutely. And I said, it's going to be okay. You're Mm -hmm. right where you are. You need help. Who are you going to ask? Like, who are the people in the school that you know will help you? And then that starts that thinking of, well, I can go and speak with Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so or um, this person. And I think they can help me. Beautiful. Who else can help you? Mm -hmm. Is there anybody at home? Well, yeah, I I think I can talk with mom or dad about this. So it's helping them to understand, yeah, this is a struggle right now, but there are people. And there's so much support right now. I do feel like in the education system with educators, mental health, uh, and just our community. I mean, Owensboro has a lot of great community resources. Um, so I think the student, you know, just coming to the initial counselor or a parent making that contact, mm-hmm. I feel we have the support that we can assist. Or you mentioned, you know, academic base. We can, you know, even set up. Uh, maybe they need some extra tutoring or if they're involved in Girls, Inc., maybe they can yes. Girls of Boys Club. They can do some of that within some of those community yeah. settings. Also possibly. But that's been an interesting thing that I Mm -hmm. have seen, you know, on this side, I'm not in the education system, but I'm like, oh, okay. Um, So then I now, because now that's on my radar, when I'm working with like a new kid or a new family, I kind of check in. How's school going? More so than I have in the past, because now there are more things that are school related for that kid Mm -hmm. as far as 
you know, I'm having trouble making friends and especially transitions from grade school to middle, middle school. school. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're like, I don't really see anybody benches. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. You know, so I think it's so helpful to give kids those, those thinking skills too. You know, um, I just, I remember thinking back over the last three years and I think everyone has had trauma from COVID. Like mm-hmm. there's just no doubt. But I remember thinking, oh my gosh, the medical field and the education. Like, wow, that is a lot of secondary trauma as well. You know, because when kids come in or you're working with families and you hear the stories, just like we hear stories, that's secondary trauma. Mm -hmm. And when you talked about the relationship mapping, I love that idea. Um, because I think that helps all of us, and I'm saying grownups, mm-hmm. to see, oh, where are some gaps, right? And even, too, I'm curious, I'll ask this, but do you all do that for yourselves? For, like, for the staff and faculty at, at whatever schools that do that? Is it uh, making that thought and looking at within taking care of our own trauma, right? Who might need some extra support and are we even aware of it? was worth it. Yeah. Um, that is a great question. I don't believe that, that we do that. I do know that in the last year we have started an employee assistance program for our staff. There has been more of a emphasis on staff wellness. Yes. Um, especially pre, I mean, post COVID, sorry. So, I mean, as a school system, we didn't have an employee assistance program in place. And we do now. So we partner here with a couple of agencies here in town that provide that service. So our uh, employees are utilizing that service, which is great, putting themselves first and reaching out if that extra counseling is needed. Each school, and I do know each administration team has, uh, you know, put more emphasis on that and try to do more um, Check-ins with staff, team building, just with overall morale. Um, But I think there's definitely room to grow on that because I think staff, like you mentioned, with just post-COVID and secondary trauma, that's more uh, existent now than it was, I feel like, three or four years ago with, with teachers. Oh, I agree with that. And it's because of that disconnection. Mm-hmm. because of COVID. Like when Shelby was hired at New Beginnings, mm-hmm. I did not meet her until seven months after she was hired. Yeah. I, I walked in the building when we could return to the building because we did all therapy over the computer. Yeah. And I was like, so you're Shelby. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jennifer. <laughs> and we didn't see each other over a computer screen, right. but there was not that like personal yes. connection. Yes. You know, it makes a difference. And so um, she actually is in the office next to mine, and so we're work office buddies too. But, um, you know, I think about that because of how disconnected COVID required us to be due to so much lack of information mm-hmm. and knowledge because it was evolving every day, something new, something mm-hmm. new. It was constantly yeah. changing too. It yes. was. And, you know, as humans, we do not like change. Right. I was going to say, yeah, some people need that constant, that, that yeah. structure. and yes. 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 We need to know. To thrive. Just, just what are the expectations? Like, yes. what, what is it you need? <laughs> just tell me. Okay. And then can I do this? Can I? Yeah. But when it's like, when I used to work for the state, we would show up and policies and regs would change. It seemed almost daily. And yeah. Like, well, what's my job today? <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> But yeah, um, it really sounds like Owensboro Public School Systems have really elevated and put a spotlight on mental health, not only for students and families, but also understanding the well-being of staff and faculty are so important. Yes. And I think, you know, as a district, I mean, we can continue to grow in that area, but we're definitely moving in the right direction in regards to that and just mental health for our students. And I'm, I'm pleased that we have the administration we do up top and Dr. Constant, our superintendent is very supportive with, with mental health. So that definitely, mm-hmm. definitely helps. Um, but we, we have really compared to three years ago, we've made leaps and bounds as far as mm-hmm. the supportive services that we're offering. And I, and I feel very confident if any family or student mm-hmm. needed something if we can't provide it, then we have the community 
collaborations and partnerships in place Mm -hmm. where we're able to refer out and work with our many, many outstanding providers to service that student. Oh, that's a must. You know, I don't think any one agency can do everything. Right. That's too much. I think a huge part of my job also is is that community collaboration, which is important because we can't do it all, as you just mentioned. We can't do it all in the education system. But when we have those relationships and we have those supports with our community partners, I know for sure my kids are being taken care of. I know that they're getting some of the best services out there. And then we just collaborate. And it's amazing to see the, the progress that the students make once those supportive services are in place. So you've made great strides over the past three years, but where do you want to go? What other things do you think need to be happening? Are there any gaps in services right now that you're looking to improve upon? Well, I definitely would love, uh, you know, there's something called ESSER funding. If you're, that's the money from COVID. And I mean, just with, it was provided the education system. So Mm -hmm. that's good for, that's how, you know, we were able to hire many of our extra mental health positions along with other districts. So my goal would be to continue. I have, I don't do the money, (laughs) but I would love to see our positions that our school counselors had and our student assistance coordinators, which are our licensed mental health professionals. I would love to see those positions continue when that funding runs out. Um, So, you know, the ultimate goal is for that need. The need is there, but just to continue with the supportive services we have. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's my big goal. And me being in social work and mental health, I would love to have a student assistance coordinator, which is our license, again, our LCSWs or LPCCs. I would love to see them in in more schools. Um, Mm -hmm. But that, you know, it comes down to to funding a lot of times, Um, unfortunately. But, you know, it's, it's helped us as a district to definitely have the two school counselors at four of our five elementary schools because mm-hmm. they've been able to provide so much, you know, tier one, which is universal instruction and just be able to reach students. Um, so all the students are getting a very solid foundation of guidance lessons in the classroom and social emotional lessons and just being able to talk with our counselors. So mm-hmm. my big dream is for all these positions to continue and we just continue to grow with, with mental health. Um, and supporting our students. I love that. Yeah. How have the students responded to this increased support? Like, have they really noticed that um, more people within the school are checking on them to seeing how they are? Do they like that? Are they kind of like, I don't know, I'm just, well, and, and that's that's a great question, too, because, uh, you know, my position is, is working district-wide. But I know that, like, at our high school level, the students that were there, it's obvious that there's more supportive staffing and guidance, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, I do know there are kids. We do a lot of our schools do uh, morning check-ins, like emotional check-ins. Um, with the students and do you want to, you know, questions on there? Do you need to talk to a counselor? Do you need to talk to somebody right away? And I mean, kids are taking advantage of those services. Oh, I mean, good. sorry, they're taking advantage of filling out those forms, yeah. talking when needed. Um, so we are serving a lot of students for sure. Um, so I'm going to say that they know that service is there or they can connect with somebody. I don't want to start called service, but they know that their supportive services mm-hmm. are in place. And um, we do suicide prevention. I'm very passionate about suicide prevention. Um, as a district, we use an evidence-based curriculum called Signs of Suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, in Kentucky, it's a state law for all grades 6 through 12 to receive suicide prevention by September 15th and we go in and the program we use we ask kids after that if they want to connect with an adult if they want to talk to somebody mm-hmm. so nice. we had a, a larger number of kids wanting to reach out and talk to somebody yeah. uh, which was great that's why we continue to do what we do so but back to what you mentioned I mean kids are requesting and reaching out to talk to to talk to staff so I think that's a great sign and hopefully okay. with them accessing that, I mean, that those numbers are there, students wanting those services. You know, I had a, a client, a student, several, several years ago, and it was because of that education that you were describing, a, what was it called again, prevent, or suicide? The um, suicide prevention, we use, um, and we just use signs of suicide, that's the, that's, that's the program we use as a district. Yes, 
And because of that program, that led them to be able to go to a trusted grown-up to help a friend. Mm -hmm. And they were really worried, like, oh, my gosh, this person won't want to be my friend anymore. But, you know, and because of that, they had enough of a connection relationship with staff to be able to intercede. Yes. And that's huge. It is. And a huge part of that program is finding a trusted adult. Just not for yourself, but your friends. Because we know teenagers talk to teenagers. That's who they're given that information yes. to. So that's a huge part yes. of that of that program. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a beautiful thing that um, you all do. And I know that, well, you, you all know this too, and, uh, but maybe some of our listeners don't. But the, the suicidal thoughts and the actual um, attempts and all of that has increased so much yeah and I was getting ready to say that is um you know since COVID there has Mm -hmm. there has been an increase um and that's obvious just by our local River Valley Behavioral Health our local psychiatric hospital for uh, kids and teens is that they are at capacity um so those numbers are very much increasing it's a very real issue um and again, if you're not in the education system, you're not working with kids or adults and time, or sorry, kids or teens, you might not realize that issues ha- is increasing. Um, you know, suicide is the third leading cause of death among adolescents, but second in Kentucky. So um, that's staggering, isn't yes. it? Like when you think about that, that's staggering. It is. And, um, oh you know, that's why, I'm, I mean, I'm so passionate about suicide prevention, but we've saved lives by doing what we do by using that curriculum. And it's just something that is, there's very much a need to continue, especially with post COVID. So when we spoke, I don't know if we're really out of it. So sorry. (laughs) Post the initial COVID. Yeah. In case anybody's listening, he's a great, I don't know if we're really out of it. So (laughs) we haven't had a shutdown in a while. Yeah. It's it's getting there. So when we spoke um, for like our initial meeting, I remember you brought up a, partnership program something that you have with Owensboro Police Department where if they're called out to a home right they let the guidance counselor the teacher know if that student um experienced some type of like police intervention um I'm just curious if you could talk about that and also when we were in shutdowns and when students were learning virtually and they experienced something like that in the home where police were called out. Um, like, were the teachers still made aware of it, even though they were in that virtual environment? I'm curious yeah. as to how that... Uh, so that program in Kentucky is called Handle With Care. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's with Kentucky State Police primarily, but okay. KSP doesn't necessarily serve within our district all the time. So we really have strengthened just that program and have discussions with our local police department here at Owensboro and our school Um safety director did that. So we're seeing an increase of alerts with that. But basically what that is, is if the police is called uh, and they go out to a student's house that evening and there's some type of trauma that that student's been involved with, they will do what they call a handle with a care alert and it gets sent to our um, school safety director. Mm-hmm. And it's really basic. I mean, it doesn't give a lot of information, confidentiality, mm-hmm. just says the student, uh, you know, may experience social, emotional, and mm-hmm. um, Turmoil and they need some additional support, please handle with care. And so it's something very similar with that wording. And then we do make sure it goes to the appropriate counselor and the principal. So if that student there, we want to make sure we check on that student first thing in the morning and make sure that they feel safe, that they're okay to be in school that day. And then at the end, we always check with that student too to make sure that they're okay to go home. And, you know, throughout that time, there might have been some collaboration with the police department or a social worker Mm -hmm. as needed. Um, Now, as far as letting teachers know, we do allow, you know, we do, the counselors Mm -hmm. will discuss that with the teachers or the teachers that need to know. Over COVID, I'm not sure and how much that was utilized. I don't know how many calls we received, but if Mm -hmm. something like that situation happens and the officer is called the night before and our counselors and administration know then you know if the teachers do need to know we make sure that we we give them that information or as much as they need to know mm-hmm. that's yeah. phenomenal to have that collaboration yeah and yeah. one of my own just um one of my goals was to really increase 
that, I mean, I'm calling it a program, but really increase that amount of calls that we get. I mean, just being alert, being mm-hmm. alerted to that. So uh, we just wanted to make sure the police department knew, hey, we, we want this information. It's If we have this information, we have protocol in place on how we handle this and how we provide these supportive services to the schools. So we've definitely seen a number mm-hmm. of um, those handled with care alerts mm-hmm. over the last year, which, yeah. I mean, it's good that we're being aware of that because oh, yeah. we're we're with those students all day. Yeah. And we want them to feel safe and we want to make sure that we are doing all we can to provide that support. Well, and if that trauma is so recent and, I mean, they're acting out or they're not able to concentrate that day because they just experienced something so heavy at home, I think it's important for teachers to know that rather than just overlooking that student right. because that student causes trouble or right. they're a difficult student. Right. No, they've experienced trauma. Yes. And something traumatic happened and maybe we need to make a plan where they're not in class all day or around everybody all day. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things. Once we know that and we look at the trauma, we can decide what is the best course of action for that student for that day. I think that's a beautiful um, safety net and a holistic view you know, mm-hmm. to take on education and the student. And um, because I can only imagine before this collaboration was there and before this idea was evolved, you know, coming to school the next morning after something awful happened and just sitting there, right, and being like, can anybody tell? Does anybody know? Does anybody know? Right. Yeah, Do I want anybody to know? Yeah. And that's the thing, yeah. too, is we check on the student, but they might not want to talk, which is, that's okay. That's part of responding to trauma. And, um, but we can still, we can make that connection. And it might not be the counselor they want to talk to, but we might know that their go-to person in the building is Miss Bell. So we need to make sure that they're with Miss Bell all day because that's their safety net. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or at least having Miss Bell check in, knowing like some, I know something happened. You don't have to talk, but I'm, I'm here. here. Yeah, yeah, and so that's important. that's just it's great to have that information. Oh, it really is. I mean, I think that that's just another added layer mm-hmm. of removing a barrier to connection and to the ability to thrive mm-hmm. and learn. You know, because if you're sitting there and Something awful happened last night, and you haven't had any breakfast, and you're hungry. You didn't sleep the night before. Right? It's like, um, maybe you do just need a day of hanging out with Miss Bell in her office and just popping a cot on the floor, right? And just a pillow and just kind of taking care of yourself and making sure you're mentally in a good place to be around other people. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. That's just, I think that's so cool you all do that. Yeah, um, and like I said, it's it's statewide, so we're not the only district doing it, but we have, I, th- I feel like, put more of an emphasis on wanting to know that information and then definitely, like, checking in with that student that morning and before they leave, making sure those measures are in place. Mm, I think that's a beautiful response. And, that's, and I like the collaboration as well. It's two different agencies that normally probably would not you know, intersect in a given day, right? And it's, it's that's nice. Yes, it is. And, you know, we do have resource officers in our school. school oh, resource see, officers. I'm not in education. I have no idea. So they are with Owens Road Police Department. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of times we can go to them, you know, because they're in our schools. We have um, one at the high school, one at the middle school. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely able to go to them to, you know, with that collaboration piece or to be able that next day to get more information or yeah. work together with them if, if needed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I did not know that there were resource officers. But again, I am very far removed from education. Very well, much so. So I guess it's something else if you're listening and you're yeah. not aware of everything in the education world is just with school safety and the priority that is these days and putting resource officers within the schools. Mm-hmm. Isn't that like a slightly newer program? Because Brad Youngman, who is on our board, I'm pretty sure, like, he moved into a position over there. At Davis County. He's for Davis yeah. County. Oh, it's yeah. Davis County, not Owensville. Okay. I but, yes, he's a resource all, officer. Uh, and, um, yeah. Yes, and that there is a um, – all schools are pushing for more of those, and there's some school safety measures and things like that in place. Yeah, that sounds 
and that also allows for um, connection between students, right, and law enforcement to get to know someone mm-hmm. versus maybe what you see on the television, right? right? And think about kids, too, directly affected by some types of trauma. Uh, they might have a, a their outlook could be very negative in regards to a police officer. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, just being able to build a positive relationship with one mm-hmm. is, 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 is a great thing for our students. Yeah. It is. I know this was several years ago, and I have no idea if it's still going on um, due to COVID, but there was, um, for lack of a better word, community conversation and coffee with a cop. And it was at, like, Starbucks um, and Terry Crow, who used to be um, our legal advocate here at New Beginnings. She's now moved, and she works at Russia. She's amazing. And I remember she would go to those. I'd be like, that is fascinating. Like, I'm always like, who, who shows up? Like, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Like, who shows up for coffee with a cop? And, and I'm like, oh, what kinds of questions were asked? You know, because I'm always, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But I, I love that because it helps, I think, to break down barriers. And it builds connection. And it builds relationship. Yeah. Right? So sit here smiling. Coffee with coffee with our your SRO. I mean, we could do a program with that at the school. I mean, there it could you could be like a monthly thing. or See? Come meet your school resource officer and coffee with a cop. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I'm going to probably put it on the spot, even though they probably don't even listen. But uh, I bet that there would be some local donut shops, like Gramps or Rolling Pin or Kohler's, that would probably say, oh, you know what? Kids, donuts, coffee, or hot chocolate, whatever. I bet yeah. that you get See, look at there. Woohoo, collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be really interesting too. Like for, for like if you look at middle school, grade school, and high school, different brain structures, different areas of development. But it would be cute to find out what kinds of questions. Questions, yeah. So I'm going to I'm in planning mode as we're sitting here talking, my mind is. So especially I'm with like your looking at that, yeah. Especially with your elementary, elementary and just like that would be a cute little PSA video, you know, yeah. like, what kinds of questions, like, because kids yes, because yes. they'd be, it would be a range of questions from elementary Can I ride to... in your car with the lights on? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, it would be, yeah, I think that's an interesting perspective. I love it. Well, hey, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. What else, Summer, do you think that those who are listening out there in podcast land, uh, what else do you think they need to know about what you do, what your team does, uh, and just students in general? What do you think they need to know? Yeah, And, you know, I think we're blessed as a district to have these extra positions. But if you're a district and you're listening and you're thinking, it's just me in my county this sounds great, what you're talking about. There's no way I can do it. Mm-hmm. I think there's always ways that you can build, even if you didn't have extra counselors or maybe the only counselors, is there are ways that you can build those relationships with students and making that a priority and connection and developing a positive school culture where all those kids feel safe. Um, I think any any school can do that. It's just gonna be a mind shift and have that emphasis, and um, you don't have to have. It helps to have these supportive services, mm-hmm. um, but definitely, I think focusing on relationships with the students is is a key piece. Mm, I love that. I know this has nothing to do with this, but this just shot into my head, so I'm gonna say it. So I moved about three years ago now to an area that really doesn't have kids. But in the last year, we've had some kids move into the neighborhood. And so I've had two students, and I have no idea what schools they go to, but they've knocked on my door in the last, like, four weeks selling stuff. Now, normally, I'm, like, a curmudgeon. I'm, like, I don't answer the door. I don't, yeah. I just don't. But I thought, you know, kids are struggling, so I'm going to listen to their spiel. Yeah. I have bought so much cookie dough. <laughs> 
I can support students to that. And you it's, can. It's, it's, it's a way, right? Yeah. Because you're supporting that money. It's going right back into the school for all those things. That's right. And into academics. And... But I was like, and I'll ask them questions like, well, what have you tasted? And it's hilarious. They'll go, I, I just, I'm just, I, I'm just selling. I'm like, oh, are you going to buy anything? And this one kid was like, are you kidding? Have you seen how expensive this is? <laughs> yeah. And then he said another breath. But if I get this amount of money, then I can get a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> and yeah. I said, oh, God, okay. How much money do you need? You're like, give me two tubs, maybe three. <laughs> yeah, you know. But I think about, like, as I said, I am far removed from yeah. education and children in schools, except for my work here. And I thought, well, you know, that's something. So I'm going to say to the listeners out there, if there's kids knocking on your door, giving you can you support a them by doing that. Yes. And you'd be surprised, too, if your kids are out of the education system. I mean, kids, the school system, they're, you know, maybe you could volunteer. Maybe you could oh, see if they yeah. need mentors. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of different things and different avenues, I think, that you could still be so, involved in some ways. That's a, like, do schools have, uh, see it new here. Do well, I think, like, parent volunteers probably, oh, okay. so let me take that back. But <laughs> I think if you um, wanted to be connected in some way yeah. and truly had a passion about education, still wanted to help out this school system, I'm sure there's. That's awesome. I'm sure there's something you could, you could, I don't know. That's a social worker in me. I don't know what the ins and outs still <laughs> Yeah, that. the education system, so anybody that's listening after 16 years, I don't know. But I'm, I'm yeah. sure if you still you know, wanted to be involved in some ways or, uh, and just another way of thinking outside the box, you know, so they, the schools partner with a lot of businesses, especially, um, as the kids get older and maybe you're owner of a business and you want to have students come shadow you or something like that. I mean, those are opportunities too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's a grand yeah. idea. I'm a big proponent of volunteering because number one, it helps your mental health mm-hmm. to volunteer and to give in service to others. Yeah. And then number two, it's helping the community in some fashion. Very much so. And yeah. that makes us all feel good. Mm-hmm. And it gets us out of the house. Yes. Yeah. So I have another question. This is a very kind of broad, broad question steering away from what we were just talking okay. about. Um, you've been in the education system for quite a while. Right? Yes. We, during this episode, we've talked a lot about like COVID times and how yes. mental health has changed. How have you seen mental health, um, openness about talking about mental yeah. health, and all of I'm that change over, that like, yes. generations? Because um, when I first started, I was one of the first student assistance coordinators at Owensboro Public Schools. So when I started, it was kind of like, what does she do? Why do we need a mental health person? Because mm-hmm. um, they had school counselors, and it, it was almost viewed as, well, Summer's working with a student, so that student must be bad or must have behavior, you know, like a negative stereotype in some ways. Mm-hmm. I definitely have seen that shift. Just not, I mean, even pre-COVID, um, just with me being there mm-hmm. and building some supportive services along with our school counselors at the high school, because that was where I was at for so long, um, where it's, oh, well... Let's talk about mental health. We're talking about suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working with the Family Resource Center because they are amazing with all the services they offer, you know, with drug and alcohol prevention or different speakers. And it that shift definitely happened yeah. where, okay, it's okay to go talk to Somerville. It's okay to go seek out your school counselor. You know what? We have resources here. Mm-hmm. Let's send you the guidance and make sure you're taken care of. So that did happen for sure. Versus when I first started, I mean, now I really want to talk about mental health. And mental health in the schools in our area, it just wasn't something that we didn't have a lot of those type of uh, professionals in the school system. So I definitely felt that was changing pre-COVID. Yeah. Now it's definitely, it's another shift where I thought it was, you know, acceptable, but now it's like, okay, it's definitely that stigma mm-hmm. has decreased and we want to take care of ourselves and self-care and mental health is just as important as physical health. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about it. Let's get these kids to talk about it. Let's do these check-ins daily that we weren't doing with students because now it's, ex- 
I don't want to say it's, well, it is accepted. It's okay. And it was okay then. It just, it's, it's just, it has changed. Um, so it's, that's been great to see. And I think it's changed as a society, just not necessarily the education system, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's great that students are now advocating for themselves that they want to see somebody, especially at the high school level, or they're that's more big. aware of, you know what, I, I do have anxiety. I do have depression. And um, I've heard a couple students say this is, well, I could see, they'll tell me, I could see my therapist today, or they'll be with their friend, and I could see my therapist today, and their friend's like, oh, I have a therapist, too, and I have a therapist, so, you know, when I started 15 years ago, like, you know, I wanted, you didn't want to know necessarily you were seeing a therapist outside of school, or now it's like, who doesn't have a therapist in the room, so, (laughs) or it's like, who's your therapist? Yes. And what does your therapist tell you? Well, let me tell you what my therapist tells me. I didn't know that exactly. It's like, it's like, and that's right. good, but then it's bad. It's like, okay, you're like hearing third, third, uh, yeah. you know, second or third information at this point. But yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's been, it's been fun. And I just like to see with the teenagers, just, uh, they feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah. And uh, I like that because I think as a society, we're definitely moving in the right direction on, uh, Mm-hmm. with that generation of just taking care of your mental health. Yeah, I think so too. And I kind of knew that's how you were going to answer the question when I asked it, but I really wanted to hear it because yeah. I think it's really important information. And I like the openness that we as a society and especially the younger generation are moving towards. Definitely. Um, and, um, you know, the school system's a great place for kids to start receiving those services mm-hmm. and because a lot of it's like uh and there's still kids it's like oh, i don't want to do therapy necessarily and i'm like well you realize i mean i'm a licensed therapist myself it's going to be a lot of the same questions their office might be a little fancier because i'm traveling schools uh, but it's the same concept and it's kind of just also prepping them a little bit for what therapy really is like yeah um, so anyway there's been a shift and i'm, I'm glad to see it i'm glad kids are are talking about it and I am too. Yeah. Putting themselves first. It needs to be. Yeah. Now we can take that level and community-wide. Community-wide? Yes. <laughs> yes. That would be great. And hopefully we can get there. Like I said, um, I think we have some fabulous resources here. Mm-hmm. And just over my uh, career, just building those partnerships. I mean, it's one of my favorite parts of my job. It's, it's part of the social work I love is mm-hmm. that community collaboration and seeing what all the great professionals are are doing. I do too. And that's why when we started developing season three, I was like, yes, new beginnings. We solely focus on sexual assault, sexual harm. That is our, that's what we do. And I thought it was really important to go out into the community in different areas and just widen that funnel of, of trauma and just, start to kind of tap in and learn and listen. What are the different types of traumas mm-hmm. that different areas in our community have witnessed, been exposed to, or are working through? Mm-hmm. And that's been very eye opening. Mm-hmm. I mean, like when we spoke with father, Mike, I was a mother. He did a, a podcast with yeah. us and something I'd never considered, but he talked about the trauma of losing a spouse or a loved one and then returning to church and that person not being not in the pew. Yeah. Never considered that, right? And that was a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful podcast on grief and loss and how the church will support that individual mm-hmm. and help them. Um, that was fabulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Reverend uh, Rhonda Lynn Randolph, she talked about um, the black church leaving the black young man behind. And she said one time, where are all the men? Why aren't they here at church? What's going on? And then after church one day, she was driving through the city and she saw, you know, men cutting grass, working on cars, doing things at the grocery store. And she says, we've, we've neglected our, our young men and the church needs to reconnect with Mm -hmm. them. So it's been a beautiful experience mm-hmm. so far of just listening and see what the community yeah, has to offer and just how yeah. trauma is, it's in every environment. And I think that's what yes, people have to, um, people outside the social work world is to realize it's just because it doesn't impact you or you don't feel that way. 
or you didn't experience it, or you don't have the same feelings. You're like, oh, that is sex or by different, and it's it's in every yeah. school. It's yes. probably within every home. Yes, it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere, and there's layers to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes you have to dig to get to. You do, and for sure. I anyone who knows me knows that I love Brene Brown, and even though Brene Brown does not know I exist, <laughs> um, she is my mentor, and so I just make this go viral. So if yes, anyone has any Brene connections Brown. out there, <laughs> please call me Brene. Um, her latest book is fabulous, called Atlas of the Heart, and she did an HBO special, uh, HBO Max special about her book, um, like a little mini series, mm-hmm. and. She talked about trauma, and she talked about the concept, and I grew up with this. Um, people would say, well, you need to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And I remember hearing that growing up. I also remember hearing, uh, you got to pull yourself up by, up by your bootstraps. And I will preface that with, my parents were born during the Depression in the 1930s. So it's a very different perspective than perhaps somebody whose parents are boomers, right? But she talked about in her book and in this miniseries that we need to stop saying and telling people, put yourself in Shelby's shoes. Right. Or, Shelby, put yourself in my shoes or in Summer's shoes. And she said, because our brains can't do that because we don't have, I don't have your lived experience. I don't have your lived experience. So she said, she asked the audience, she said, what, what do you think we need to do instead? This is beautiful. And this lady just out came. She said, listen. Mm-hmm. And then another person said, just believe. And those were the two things. And so when I think about trauma in our community, and I think about the different areas, uh, I think about in the work that we do here at New Beginnings. Um, all we need to do as a human being is just listen to what someone is telling us and just believe them. Mm-hmm. You know, I will never have your lived experience. I will never have yours because we are on our own journeys. But if you came to me and you told me a story of something that affected you, the way I build empathy, show empathy and compassion is just listen and believe. Right. That's all we need to do. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, based on what your role is with the public school systems and based on your team and your collaboration, it very much um, fits and sounds and embodies that you all listen Listen. Mm -hmm. and you believe. And that's what people need. They need it. And that's, that's part of building that relationship. And it's a key, key component there. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this was great. This was a good conversation. Is there anything you would like to add before we shake off the trauma (laughs) and ask you some fun questions just to wind down? Wind down? No. Um, Not in particular. I mean, I think, can't think of anything else. Anything to plug? Like big programs or something that you need to promote? Well, no, well, I probably need to because they've been a huge part of this too. And I am sorry if I didn't mention them earlier, but we do have a partnership with Mountain Comprehensive Care. Um, it's a counseling agency here in town. And they, um, right now we have seven mental health counselors in our schools also nice. that are actually employed by Mountain Comprehensive Care. Um, we just provide the space. Nice. So seven district wide with, you know, 30, 40 kids apiece. Yeah. We're able to serve probably 280 to 300 kids that's for great. mental health services right there. So um, that's been something that was in playing in the works before COVID. Okay. Uh, COVID just slowed us down a little bit on hiring people because we were virtual and stuff for so long. But now that we're up and running, um, that's going very well. And it's yeah. another layer of support. Uh, and that's something to think about too. If you're listening to me and you don't, your school doesn't have the funding is to see if you can partner with community mental health agencies mm-hmm. within your region or community and bring them in to provide, you know, they're employed by that agency, but they come in and see kids. It. So yeah. that's something else to think about as a way to serve students as an option for other districts. So that's great. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Okay. Would you like to ask the first question or would you like me? Oh, I'm probably more nervous for these <laughs> questions than the talking about like <laughs> professional stuff. So here we go. Shake it off. Shake it off. Woo! 
That's all we do. If you if you were to walk past my office all day the other day, you'll hear music, drums, yeah. you'll hear screams, yells, Shake it up! Shake it up. Okay, so here we go. Like this makes me nervous. But I'm oh, these are fun. <laughs> these are fun. And I have to write my notes. I yeah. Okay. So what is your favorite cereal? Oh my goodness. So right now, because you can only get this cereal. Once a year, yeah, is like the blueberry. Yes. <laughs> so if you're listening, like, and have connections to get that cereal all year, please let me know. So I just <laughs> stocked up at Walmart, and I got um, there's a strawberry one too. Frankenberry, so, yes, Frankenberry. <laughs> so we have all three right now, and I'm on the cat chocolate kick though. So I had them both for like the last four days. <laughs> I love that. So this brings joy and happiness to get all of that cereal. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Okay, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, goodness. This one's kind of hard, to be honest, because I, uh, I don't know. Oh, that's what a tough one. It, it is a tough one. See, that's one that I think about a lot. So. Do you? And <laughs> yeah. me, I, I don't. And I, I, I have a hard time with that one because, I don't know. That's okay. You're going to pass? I'm going to pass. And you think that would be easy, but for me, that's hard because... You know, it's just a hard one. That's okay. So there we go. <laughs> what is your favorite gadget that you own? My favorite gadget? Oh, wow. This is a tricky one, too. See, I said I'd be better at the professional uh, questions. Let's see. Favorite gadget. <laughs> I have no idea. That's okay. I know. See, I'm not doing well on these. Oh, you're doing fabulous. See, we're taxing the brain. We're, we're, the and after brain I leave here, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, why did I not answer that? <laughs> Groovy. That's okay. All right. So favorite ice cream. This one should be an Oh, that's one. easy. Yeah. I, I mean, I like all ice cream. So, but I like just, um, I like cookie dough. Anything with cookie dough. Cookie dough? Yeah. 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 I like cookie dough too. Cookie yeah. dough is good. I like cookie dough and stuff. You know, <laughs> I just eat cookie dough instead of oh, That was the thing in college. We would do that on Friday night. Um, what is your favorite board game? Clue. That is a classic. I love Clue. I'm always at for game and Clue. So that's a good one. Yeah. Who's your favorite band or musician? Okay, so um, I just Bon Jovi, and that's been on my bucket list. Bon See Bon Jovi at right. some point, but I'm, I do love Bon Jovi. There you go. <laughs> He's classic. <laughs> classic. So let's see. What is your go-to drink in Owensboro? Go-to beverage, drink in Owensboro. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite beverage? That you like to drink in Owensboro. Oh, I love sweet tea. So mm-hmm. um, that's a I, very popular one around here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love a good sweet tea. But I think McDonald's, out of all places, probably has the best sweet tea. It is very sweet. So I like it. Uh, so it's kind of my go-to. Plus, it's a dollar. Well, now a dollar forty-nine, I think. But our, our last podcast, someone someone said sweet tea, but they said McDonald's sweet tea tasted like cough syrup. So now we have oh. a McDonald's promoter, right? Oh, I like, and I like it. It, it is, is sweet, though. Is but I feel like when I want a good sweet tea, mm-hmm. they have it. Well, now they're not going to be coming for our Lee's throats, is pretty so. good, too. Good. Lee's is good. They do have good sweet, good sweet tea. tea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of okay. outside the box, though. And if you could be any animal in the world, what is your animal? What is my animal? Um... Kind of like an animal that describes me or what I would want to be? What you would want to be. Um, well, I mean, or well, whichever is easy for you to decide like, because I feel like. I don't know. I think same. anything, like, uh, I'm thinking Disney when I do the mm. safari ride. Mm-hmm. An animal ki- I love animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, like, any of those types of animals, you know, like the giraffe or a tiger, a zebra. I mean, just. Out on the safari. Yeah, out on the safari. Life. All right. I think that is it. A safari type animal. Yes. Sounds oh. great. Yes. Well, Summer, we have thoroughly enjoyed having you here today. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for saying yes. And thank you for agreeing. And this is our first podcast. So if you're listening, be easy on me. <laughs> I think you did fabulous. Yes. You did fabulous. Amazing. So we are so grateful to have you here today. Uh, you have a wealth of knowledge 
from the education perspective and community perspective. And I have no doubt that someone out there who is listening, or I should say will be listening in podcast land, they, they've learned something, Jake, because I know I have. Mm-hmm. So we want to say thank you for that. Well, thanks for this opportunity. Absolutely. So as always, I'm going to say thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And you can change the world tomorrow just by listening today. Have a beautiful life. Bye. Bye. Well, we've made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We hope you'll take something you heard today and use it to change the world tomorrow. We wanted to thank our music producer, Seth Hedges, from Uriah Wild Media. His website is in the show description. Also, a big shout out to Roddy Newton, our technical advisor. See you next time. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020 Green River 26, awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the U.S. Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this program are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. Thank you.